of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today, we're going to be continuing the Screwdriver Red series, and this third installment in the series is titled The Murder of Caitlin Adel. Before we begin, I want to give a proper shout out to a true crime podcast that is phenomenal, y'all. It's called The Minds of Madness. In The Minds of Madness, is really, really well done. In, in 2018, 2019, they won five different awards, including the Outstanding Sound Award, the Outstanding Debut for Series, Outstanding New Series, an Outstanding Main Title, Theme Music for a Series, and the People's Choice Award. And their host is Tyler. Y'all, he really, really does a well-done podcast. It's just really excellent. Listen to it. He's based out of Canada. Like I said, the host's name is Tyler. He's a good guy. He actually sent me an email in which he stated that he is listening to real life, real crime, and really enjoyed it. So we are going to give him a proper shout-out. And it's just well done. He has a great voice and the stories are amazing. Y'all, he has 50 episodes in now, so it's definitely binge worthy. I'm telling you, give it a listen. And when you do check out his social media and everything, let him know that real life, real crime, the podcast sent you. So let me introduce Tyler now. 911, what's your emergency? Every 60 seconds, a person is murdered somewhere in the world. There was a shootout in my house. I can't believe it. What causes ordinary people to do unthinkable things? He stabbed me in my neck. 
And he says, look how easily I could kill you. The Minds of Madness is a true crime podcast that examines the most disturbing criminal minds. We shed a light on the devastating impact these violent crimes have on the victims and their families. When you get calls in the night, you know they're not good or they're wrong numbers. You'll hear about the incredible strength of the survivors and what they did to fight back. I was studying his face because I was thinking, if I get out of this, I'm going to get you someday. Subscribe to the Minds of Madness podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. All right, y'all, that was Tyler with Minds of Madness. A really, really well done show. And y'all know, I guess I'm actually starting to listen to a lot more true crime podcasts. And I just like this guy's show. It's really well done. And Tyler, we congratulate you on all your successes. And thanks for listening to Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And one more announcement, y'all. Stay tuned. At the end of today's episode, and I'm going to be giving a lot of shout outs and making some real life, real crime announcements, including stuff about CrimeCon and where our numbers are. So let's get started. When I left you last, I had just booked Mark Lewis into the Livingston Parish Jail for one count of obstruction of justice. And that was because we knew he was lying to us about the disappearance of Caitlin Adele. Now, Caitlin is a 13-year-old female who lived in the residence directly in front of Mark Lewis. And on the date of her disappearance, February 1st, 2007, Mark Lewis became a suspect in the disappearance of Caitlin because he lied to us numerous times. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to the Screwdriver Red series, go back and listen to it up until this point. So you can be called up. I'll say it again, probably the worst case I ever worked, the most emotional case I ever worked, especially dealing with a juvenile. And it's a tough one, but I think it's a story that needs to be told. So Mark Lewis is booked into the jail, one count of obstruction of justice for all the lies that he told us. And we had interrogated him for numerous hours. Now, by the time we booked him into jail that morning, it was like, three, maybe four o'clock in the morning, and we've been on the case since maybe six o'clock the evening before. So it's now the morning of February 2nd, and you would think that after booking him into jail, that would be it, right? We'd go home and get some sleep or something? No. So let me tell you how it works. It's not like there's one detective working on this case at this point, okay? Our detective's office was made up of eight general detectives in her supervisor, or the chief of detectives, was Stan Carpenter. Now, Stan worked his way up through law enforcement, and before becoming chief of detectives, he was chief of narcotics for Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And when I first met him, I was working uniform patrol, and I had discovered a meth lab and placed a guy under arrest for an active meth lab. And so I had to call Stan out in the middle of the night and I had met Stan several times, but he was always busy and kind of secretive in the narcotics work that he was doing. But 
I'll never forget. He came out that night and the guy wanted to give up information, right? On who he was working with, et cetera. And we were on some back country road, gravel road in the middle of nowhere. And Stan comes out. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And he's like, what do you have? So I told him and, and I introduced him to the guy and Stan's like, he loved to say hoss. He's like, all right, hoss, what you got going on? And the guy was like, well, I mean, uh, I can help y'all. Uh, uh, bus people, you know, and he was a meth head, right? He's tweaking and his stand <laughs> starts acting like he's playing golf, right? He bends over, acts like he tees up a golf ball. He's not looking at the guy and he's doing swings like he's teeing off at the masters, right? And he stopped and looked at the boy and he said, you want to give us help? He said, you stupid fucker, you got a whole active meth lab right here actively cooking. Now that I'm calling the DEA out, we have to call out cleanup crews and everything else. And the guy was like, but I can help you. And Stan said, you ever heard of the shooter on the grassy knoll? And this guy was like, no. Of course, he wasn't a history buff, right? I'm sure he didn't have much education. And Stan said, well, you heard of President John F. Kennedy that got assassinated? And the guy said, yeah. And Stan said, well, you know about Lee Harvey Oswald is the one who they arrested for shooting. And he said, yeah. He said, well, there always was a theory that there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll. And he said, it was never proven. He said, now, son, you could have direct knowledge of who the second shooter was on the grassy knoll. He said, hell, boy, you could have a fucking video of the second shooter on the grassy knoll killing the president. You could give us that information and you're still fucked. He said, you're going to prison for a long time for manufacturing methamphetamine. And the guy started crying and Stan working, right? Got a lot of information out of him, but he was just smooth, smooth, smooth and very, very intelligent and a hell of an investigator. But by this time in 2007, he had been chief of detectives for a while, regular detectives over us. So anytime something major hit, he was like the general, like General Patton in World War II. I mean, he would come out, he would let his troops do their jobs, but he had a genius mind for where to take the investigation next and how to delegate the authority and get the most out of everybody, right? So everybody's working. Now, the two detectives that would normally cover the shift, the night shift, he delegated them to go in for the regular office hours and catch the walk-ins and all the rest of the crimes and everything that happened that day, right? Just because Caitlin was missing and didn't mean other people didn't need detectives actively working cases. But everybody else, you better believe it. He had them lined out. Now, Detective Benita Sager and Detective Ben Ballard, who I told you about. Actually, I've told you about both of them. Benita and the Murder Me Now series on Gerald Bordelon. And Ben Ballard, I told you about last week, they were more staying with Miss Danette, Caitlin's mom and the family and working things, et cetera. But Stan had already put all the big wheels in the motion, right? So when we're doing the interrogation and questioning of Mark Lewis, Stan's already got the search warrant. He's a master at writing search warrants for Mark Lewis's truck. It's been impounded. It's been Hall to the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab, and one of the detectives would have had to follow it, right? From the time it's hooked to the tow truck to the time it's actually given into possession of the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab, 
it has to be followed to maintain the chain of custody so no defense attorney can say that somebody planted evidence in it or whatever to make Mark Lewis look bad. At the same time, he has someone sitting on the house. We believe it's a probable crime scene, and he's getting search warrants for the house, typed up to go in and examine it. He had even contacted a search organization which was based out of Houston, Texas, and they specialized in finding missing people, right, or organizing mass searches, and including they have cadaver dogs. Now, cadaver dogs are canines that are specifically trained to smell decaying flesh. As soon as you die, as soon as your heart quits beating, and I don't know what the technical term is, the body switches to giving off a different type of scent to these canines that are trained for it. And how they train them for y'all is like the body farms. The biggest and most famous one is at University of Tennessee in Knoxville, where they actually have bodies that are dedicated to science, right? And they use them in the study of decomposition of the body, everything from how long it takes a fly to lay an egg, on a corpse and for that egg to spawn in that life cycle of that fly to come around. I mean, they can tell you exactly how long a body's been down by their studies, right? It's amazing work that they do. And I actually had a fan write me last week and ask me what I thought about the body farms. I told him, I think it's an excellent way to donate your body to science if your organs can't be used or even if your organs can be used, you know, because it really does help out and it's helped solve thousands and thousands of cases. But these dogs, on that certain scent that the body gives off once the heartbeat stops, right, they are so phenomenal. And we have a lot of waterways down here, and every year somebody gets into a boat crash, or numerous people actually, get into boat crashes and somebody's ejected into the water and ultimately they lose their lives. But the problem with that is most of the time the bodies don't pop right back up and depending on the time of the year and the temperature of the water and the heat outside, it takes them sometimes a week or more to pop up. But what they'll do is these dogs' noses are so sensitive to being trained to the smell of cadavers, human cadavers, that they will ride a boat back and forth slowly over the accident area and the dog can smell the cadaver through the water on the bottom of the river and it may be 80 feet deep but if the dog where the dog alerts at that's where the police stop and throw the grappling hooks with the rope attachments and to drag for the bodies and about 80 percent of the time that's where they are so stan has search teams coming in he's getting the search warrant for Mark Lewis's residence. The number two guy in the sheriff's office at the time had recently been promoted within the last year to that spot, Chief Operations, and his name is Jason Ard, and he is now the sheriff of Livingston Parish today. And another phenomenal guy, excellent leader of men, knows his people, doesn't play the political side of things, right? If you have a position in the sheriff's office that he gave you is because he knows that you deserve that position. All right. So Jason would have been dealing with the news. I mean, this is a big, big story. Y'all it went viral 
like crazy. Just in that night alone, by the time the next morning, all these bloggers had picked up on it. And they were getting messages from all over the world. People who were showing support and praying for the family. They're praying for a safe outcome for Caitlin. Now, we didn't know for sure that she was dead at this point. It's only been 15 hours or so into the investigation, but you have to work it, right? So Stan is lining everybody up. Jason Ard is lining the media and search parties, and everybody wants to help, from volunteer firemen to your average citizens, et cetera. But this was a Friday morning, and so the case is developing. And we go to the Lewis's residence, their trailer. And the guy with the cadaver dog shows up. We didn't want to go in and search the residence or do anything to contaminate the scene until the cadaver dog could come in and do a pass through the house. Because, first of all, we didn't know for sure that a crime had been committed against Caitlin. It was all circumstantial evidence, but it was pretty damn strong evidence right so when the guy gets there with his canine i'll never forget it we go in we search warrant there was nobody inside the residence had been secured and we stand to the one side and the canine goes in he makes a loop around the little living room in the kitchen area and he makes a beeline for the washer and dryer and he starts going crazy boom boom he's scratching and, and doing his barking and he sits down, and that's called an alert. The canine is smelling the cadaver, the meaning of decomposing body in the washer and dryer. And then the handler gives him praise and a treat and continues to search. And that's how they train them, y'all. That for the dog, it's, it's all about pleasing their master, right? So every time they alert or do a good job, they give them whatever their toy is or treat for a second, and then they continue to search. The dog searched the rest of the trailer, and he alerted on the guest bedroom crazy, just like he did on the washer and dryer. So we knew then that somebody had died, and the only person that was missing was Caitlin. Once the canine left the residence, and that was all documented, then we processed the residence itself. Now, we took Mark Lewis's home computer and some other items and everything was tagged and bagged, sent to Louisiana State Police Crime Lab for processing. And meanwhile, the media's camped up. All the news channels are out there. It's a number one story on the morning news, noon news, and we're actively working the case and taking leads and tips that are called in and people are flooding them with calls. And all these things have to be looked at so all our detectives were actively working and pursuing every lead. And meanwhile, people began to search, including us, naturally. And with Jason, we called in the special response team, called in everybody that was off duty. If you work for Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office and you were off duty, you were down in French Settlement, either helping out or searching for Caitlin. This is how Friday progressed. Now, we were working against the clock. Okay, so Lewis is locked up. He hasn't had a bond hearing yet. And when he did have a bond hearing, the first judges didn't set a bond because they were afraid of what he would do if he could get out. But the case grew. The immediate attention grew. And 
it was just overwhelming, y'all. Caitlin's favorite color was pink, and pink went up everywhere. There were ribbons being tied. Everybody was wearing pink. People were just amazing. They came from all over to help. And so on Friday, people searched uh, under the direction of most of them under the direction of Jay Snard, the chief operations. And Stan Carpenter didn't have time to mess with the search part at that point. So Jason ran it and he ran it well. And as the hours passed, more and more people just piled in wanting to help. And like I said, it became a media sensation. And detective-wise, the case just rolled on. Like I told you last week, Lewis had told us he had gotten the scratches on his face from an accident at work. And then it was a fight at work. And then he said it happened that day. And we talked to his wife, and she definitely said he did not have scratches on his face before he left for work that day or before she left for work that day. The last time she saw him before, she saw him when he returned in with the fresh scratches on his face after Caitlin was missing. Well, of course, Stan had everybody lined out, and detectives have already verified that he didn't go to work that day. That was the first big no-no. And detectives began to question neighbors and the people in the area, and they had confirmation that Lewis's truck was at his residence at least, at the very least, until 2 p.m., which is just about an hour or so before Kayla went missing. And again, he had told us he hadn't been there. He had been at work. Then he went to the hospital to visit his mother. And then he was hanging out with Craig Seminary. All lies. The next thing that Stan had people do, which is natural progression of things, is pull Caitlin's cell phone records. And they were very important. So, and I'll discuss that a little bit more later. And then, they began to develop a profile, if you will, on Mark Lewis. They went to his employer and talked to people there and just in general about him and then asked questions specifically about that day. Also began to establish his work history. And then like the last year, he had had three different jobs, like a butcher and then at this tow truck company and then somewhere else, some other menial job. But they began to talk to people. And the more they talked to people, the more information that was given about Mark Lewis that just made it look worse and worse. So the day passes on Friday. Everybody's searching, y'all. And, and it gets dark in South Louisiana early in February. By 530, it's pitch black again. And it was cold. It was so cold. But the search didn't stop. I mean, Scales back some, people go home, the volunteers, the police don't stop, and the phone calls don't stop, and the, and certainly Mr. Ned and the family members don't stop suffering. So, sun comes up Saturday morning, and if you thought there were volunteers on Friday, Saturday was just unbelievable. I'll give you an example. There's one restaurant called The Hilltop, which is on the hilltop overlooking the Diversion Canal in French Settlement. That morning, they're not even open for breakfast. That morning, the restaurant was slapped full. There wasn't a seat available. It was full of volunteers who were receiving instructions from Jason Ard or whoever he delegated to handle that meeting. 
because there were several large groups gathering like that. It didn't put out on social media where to gather to receive instructions if you want to help in the search. And you couldn't even find a place to park, much less get in the door. I mean, there were literally way more than a thousand people showed up to help search for Caitlin. But the terrain, y'all, itself makes it challenging. Like I told you, there's water everywhere around for settlement, a lot of swamp. So you have people searching on foot through the swamp. You have people searching by boat and anywhere that they can get. You have people on horseback searching, four-wheel drive trucks, four-wheelers, you name it, helicopters. We had the helicopters out. Everybody was looking, and we were praying for a positive outcome, but we knew when we hadn't released it about the cadaver dog and the alerting on the dryer and the washer and the bedroom and Mark Lewis's trailer. But it went on one, and the media was full blitz, and it was just another long, long, cold day. But as tired as we were and as cold as we were and, and running on adrenaline, et cetera, it's nothing compared to what Miss Danette had to be suffering it was just heartbreaking. She's such a nice lady. And I just can't imagine what she was going through. Even though I saw her and spoke to her, like I said, Ben and Benita were more hands-on with her. I mean, there's only so much you could say, right? And she had a large family support group and church support group with her. But it doesn't make it any easier. As the hours ticked by, we knew our chances of finding Caitlin alive were growing slimmer and slimmer. And so the massive search is going on. Everybody's looking. Everybody's searching everywhere. Detectives are working diligently to follow up on any leads. Now, I told y'all that French Settlement just sits right across the river from Ascension Parish in the Ascension Parish Sheriff's Office had people assisting also. And not only that, we had volunteers who were not only searching Livingston Parish, they were searching all into Ascension Parish. And that part of Ascension is real rural, and there's a lot of side roads and small bayous and waterways and stuff like that. I would have to say there were thousands of people searching. It was just truly a testament to how people can pull together in a harsh time like that. Not long before dark, my pager goes off and is saying to call Stan Carver, the chief of detectives. And I called him and he said, you need to come over into Ascension Parish off of Highway 436. He said, we're right off a side street that runs along the New River Bayou. And that's just, y'all, that's one of the names for however many bayous, right, that run through the area. So I knew that when they didn't call it out over the radio, that probably it meant that they had found a body. And so I told you before about the TAC radios. You had TAC 1 was the west side of the parish. TAC 2 was the east side of the parish. TAC 3 was for traffic that you didn't want to take up the regular Tax. Everybody had been running off attack three and they had a dispatcher just dedicated to handling the search process that day, but it kind of went dead. The radio traffic started to 
toned down a little bit and I got the call from Stan. He said, you need to get over into Ascension Parish. And then you didn't hear anybody go out on the radio detective wise and talking. So I was probably 30 minutes or so away. And by the time I got there, it was right around dark and two searchers had found a body in the water in the bayou kind of shoved underneath an embankment where the water, the current from the water had washed away the earth underneath. So the body's kind of lodged in underneath the bank or the embankment, if you will. But it was like when you pull up, of course, by the time I got there, there were 30 other vehicles. Now that's Ascension Parish. So their detectives were on scene. Their sheriff was on scene. Jeff Wiley was a fine guy who just retired last year. Excellent sheriff. Our sheriff, Willie Grace, and then Jason Ard and Stan and all our detectives. I mean, everybody was there, right? And when you pull up, the main road kind of veers to the right. My memory serves me correctly. When you come to the side road that veers off on the 436, that road runs along the bayou. There's a stand of trees and a large thicket. And I had to walk a long ways just to get up to where they were, y'all. And the body was just down the embankment. Now, you couldn't see it from the road, obviously, because of the thick undergrowth and the trees. But those two guys had been going down the bayou just looking out of the kindness of their heart. And this is about probably distance-wise, maybe six or seven miles from Craig Simoneau's house. Not that far of a distance, but it was very secluded. And the body was recovered in a boat. They had a couple of uh, bat toes that they put in, and they pulled the body from the water. And it was easy to identify. It was Caitlin. She's still in her school uniform, and she's a beautiful girl. She'd been in the water, as you know, at least since February 1st in the early afternoon and this is now february 3rd it's been probably over 48 hours and then once get her out and then they placed her in the body bag and sealed it as is customary for any investigation and she was tagged with a evidence lock and sent to seals funeral home in Denham Springs where they were waiting to do the autopsy, which ended up being scheduled for Monday. But then Ballard and Benita and the sheriff and then went over and had to tell Miss Danette that her baby girl was dead. And now Caitlin is only five foot five and one hundred pounds. She's just a baby. I mean, you know she's in the seventh grade just a baby y'all and it's just tough but so we had to continue to work it and the families grieved and i'm sure it was probably the longest night ever for miss danette or a longest series of nights my heart to this day goes out to her and it's like she said that she said i just pray that they can bring her home safely because she's all i've got and that's what miss danette said about her yeah and i love her and so much and we couldn't bring her home safely so the investigation continues sunday we're still looking at every angle trying to find anything 
any type of witness. I mean, it just doesn't stop y'all because of that. Now Ascension Parish is involved also full time because technically we don't know where the death occurred at for sure. And so we're working it jointly now. And on Monday when the autopsy came, Caitlin was found, like I told you, in her clothes, but her pants were unzipped. And they did the autopsy, and there were no signs of rape, but she had been choked to death. And the vehicle is at the state police crime lab being processed and gone over with a fine tooth comb. And some blood was recovered from floor area behind the driver's seat in the extended cab part of the truck along with some blonde hairs and a ruler that had KK written on it. And KK y'all was what everybody called Caitlin KK. And based off that fact we got a murder warrant for Mark Lewis and charged him with first degree murder. And he went before Judge Ray Sheets for his first bail hearing, and it was denied, no bond. You know, I'm going to stop there for today. That's enough. You need to tune in next week. I'm going to go into the actual trial itself and some shocking things that happened and some more evil, twisted shit Mark Lewis does. And then I'll conclude it next week, but that's enough for today on it's just, I mean, it's, it's just tough. That's it for today's episode. And I'm Woody Overton, your host, Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And don't let me catch you down on murder by you. All right, y'all. Thank you for staying tuned. And I have some announcements to make, et cetera. And like I said, we'll finish up Caitlin's story. And the story about Mark Lewis, Screwdriver Red, next week. It'll be a long episode. But I want to say thank you to all our fans for listening. It's Y'all are amazing. I love each and every one of you. We had 75,000 downloads in 96 days since we've been doing the podcast. And it's amazing. We have 92 countries around the world that we have listeners in and you couldn't do it without y'all it's awesome and you liking you sharing and a lot of reviews man y'all left a lot of reviews last week and i really appreciate that i read them all good bad or indifferent i read them all thank you for taking the time to leave the reviews it means a lot and again i'm gonna tell you real quick about our facebook page the private page real life real Crime, friends, fans, and crew, K-R-E-W-E. And it's pushing 900 members now, y'all. If you're not a member, send us a request, and we'll get you signed up. And there's a lot of bonus materials, a lot of contests, different fan interactions, stuff going on. Best dream team moderators in the world. They'll get you approved. And I could just think if you like real life, real crime, join the group. You get a lot more out of it. And 
we're on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. We have some videos on YouTube, etc. But y'all are making us grow, and I appreciate you. And, and I'm not just saying I really mean it. And I try to answer each one of your messages. And if I don't get right back to you, then I apologize. But I will as soon as I read it. And I'm never too busy to answer or respond to what it is that you have to say. And we're going to continue to strive to be better and bring you a better show and production. And I want to say thank you to our patron members. And that's because each one of them have pledged to support Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast financially through patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And it helps out y'all a lot. And we've bought new equipment, sound equipment, and we have Crime Con coming up and stuff like that. And it helps ease some of the financial burden of the show. And so, patron members, we love you. Use your benefits. Use the hotline. Call in. You can give a shout out. You can ask questions. You can do whatever you want to. That's your number to use it. And y'all don't forget to use your merchandise discount. And I will be locking up more bonus episodes for the patron members this week before June 1st. So it'll be there. Y'all check it out and enjoy it. I really appreciate your support. And real quick, as I do every week, I want to give a shout out to our newest patron members. And one is to Mr. David Ledbetter. David, really appreciate you taking the time to support us and putting money where your mouth is and supporting us financially. It helps. And I appreciate you. And please use all your benefits. And I just, I can't thank you enough, David. We really appreciate you. And Miss Karen, K-A-R-I-N, Brain. Karen, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting me and the podcast through Patreon. It just means a lot. And, and please use your hotline. Man, everybody loves these hotline episodes when y'all call in your questions. And if you don't want to call in, you don't like the sound of your voice, text it to me and, I, and I'll read it to you. But everyone that we've done, we had thousands of downloads instantly on it. So y'all use that. It's pretty cool. And Miss Angie, I don't know who you are because I don't have your last name on the patron site. But Miss Angie signed up, and I really appreciate you, Miss Angie. And thank you so much for being a patron member. You're awesome. And Miss Alexa Dross up hers patron support from tier three to tier four and Miss Alexa really really do appreciate you it's awesome and Miss Lisa Chase Miss Lisa you know we love you and I appreciate you supporting me the patron it means a lot and thank you so much and Lisa use your hotline if you want merchandise y'all check it out rlrcpodcast.com has all the merchandise and the link to patron if you're not a patron member you want to look at it like I said, Miss Melissa Hansen, you are awesome. Thank you so much. And I really, really do appreciate you. Karen Travels, longtime supporter of the show, upped her pledge from tier three to tier four. Karen, you know we love you. She interacts a lot, y'all, on our private Facebook page. And Miss Laura Yarnell, Y A R N E L L. 
Thank you, R, for supporting Real Life Real Crime. I love you. And Miss Cassie Wallace, our friend from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and the Dream Team moderator, up to her pledge. Miss Cassie, thank you so much. We appreciate it. You know we love you. Aaron Ashwood, Miss Aaron, thank you again. I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And y'all, next week, I'll, if I miss anybody, I apologize. But next week, I will be doing the full list of patron members, your monthly shout out. And next week, a week from tomorrow, because I'm recording this on Tuesday, we are going to CrimeCon, and we're going to turn it out. It's going to be fun. We are not doing the booth like we initially planned to do, because I want to be able to do meet and greets, not only with the fans, but with other podcasters and these cross-promos, all the promotions like I did today for Minds of Madness. They're huge. They get us. Minds of Madness gives us a shout out back on their show, right? So we have all their listeners that if they haven't listened to Real Life Real Crime before, they can hear about us and check us out. So anyway, I'm going to meet a lot of different podcasters and people, maybe some TV people. Who knows? And we'll see where it goes from there. But each night we're going to do a live event. The first night we're going to do, which we're going to be down there, will be Thursday. We're going to do a live polygraph from the Hilton Hotel in New Orleans. Friday, I think we're going to do some live after-hour stuff from Bourbon Street and the French Quarter, et cetera. It ought to get pretty crazy. And then Saturday, we're hosting a meet-and-greet for our fans at 7 p.m., and I am waiting to announce the location. They're supposed to call me back today that, uh, it's a really cool place, y'all. Uh, just really speaks to Louisiana and Louisiana heritage. And, you know, it, we're, we're supposed to get the bar there reserved and then do it up. So Saturday, we'll, we'll do the meet and greet live from New Orleans at CrimeCon. And we're going to broadcast it on Facebook and so if you get a chance and you can't be there and you get a chance, check it out. We wish all y'all could be there and we'll miss you, but at least you can check it out on Facebook. And we have some fans coming in from Australia, a multiple set coming in from Florida, from Dallas, Texas, from Colorado. So it's going to be exciting. I can't wait to meet y'all. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you're available that weekend, check us out. We'll do something live each night and you know, we'll respond to your questions, et cetera. So anyway, thank y'all so much and really, really do appreciate you. And I said when we hit 75,000, we were going to drop another bonus mini episode. Now we just unlocked one that we had for patron on Sunday because we passed 50 patron members, y'all, and now we're up to 52. So we did that to say thank you and to show everybody else when you join patron, this is one of the bonuses that you get. And so we released the 103D episode. And the milestone we hit before that, I think was 50,000 was the last time we released something. And that was Pants on the Ground, the episode. That was another bonus under lock and key episode that we had for patron members but 
as time goes on and we hit certain milestones, we want everybody to have it and, and enjoy it. And then if you like it and you can, you can support some patron and do so. And if you can't, I'm so totally cool with it. Just continue to like, share, subscribe and review and do what you do. And I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And until next week, let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Thanks, y'all. Oh.